Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown. I'm your host, Shane, and today we've got a rather interesting topic because it's a bit of an obscure one due to, honestly, not a whole lot of people talking about it, but it's something that I think was, I forget when I put it on my, like, to-do list sort of thing um when it comes to this i have like a weird uh like pot of list uh topic uh names that i sort of draw from each week and this just happened to be one of them and it was really weirdly towards the top so i don't really remember when i actually put it into the pot but we'll see uh it, it it's a fun one and um it's something that was going to be quick it's sort of a short story but again an interesting one and it's a creature that's always fun uh we haven't i feel like we haven't done too many of them we've done uh like a few spiritual stuff here and there but no like physical cryptids uh i feel as though probably probably should do a few a few more of those i don't know oh i guess we did monster month like two months ago uh, so I guess we did have a few there, but that was a bit shorter than expected due to uh, the new work that I started, and that was a shift in my schedule that sort of changed things around, but that's a good change. Um, so yeah, there's not really a whole lot to discuss in the opening, uh, per se. I really talked about a lot of the new changes that were sort of coming to the podcast in the last episode or two of the past few weeks about how I just sort of want to transition into a bit more of a steady system when it comes to uploading. I'm trying to find a time in which is best for me to actually record this podcast because doing the research, I just do normally. Um, I do deep dives on stuff most of the time and just a little still weird stuff regardless. So compiling, it's not the hard part. It's finding the time to actually sit down and record if I'm living with people, so and we have dogs, so uh, having time in which it's quiet and which I can actually sit down and do this for like a half hour to an hour, depending on how long these episodes are, is hard to find, and uh, hopefully that can change sometime soon if I can find my own place or move in with a bit less people, um, but we'll see because that costs money and right now that's a bit tight uh, in the grand scheme of things. But overall, things have been good. Obviously, things have still been kind of weird with this craziness going on. So still moving along with that and I'm sure everyone else is too. So you know how it is. Uh, but yeah, so that's really it. Um, only real big thing I should probably mention is the fact that I am trying to get more guests onto the podcast and find some time to record that with, uh, a few friends of mine who are sort of interested in the paranormal overall or just weird topics that I'm going to figure out how to make our schedules work because right now, obviously everyone is in a bit of a turmoil phase and finding the time to record with multiple schedules is gonna be fun but we'll make it work and uh, I have a few topics set aside for that sort of stuff that I'm very very excited to actually get to uh, that I've been not able to do solo and I, I look forward to that it's gonna be fun uh, aside from that though we have a quick promo and it is from the straight up enigma podcast another podcast that discuss a lot of creepy and weird topics that i'm sure you guys will enjoy so be sure to listen to this and go check them out when you have the time they are really really great and uh, here's their promo right now <laughs> 
Ted Bundy abducted and murdered my dad's high school friend, Debbie Kent, in 1974. At least, Bundy admitted to killing her just before his execution, but police were never able to locate her body. That's the topic of just one episode of Straight Up Enigmas, a podcast to explore the unexplained. Spine-tingling supernatural stories, historical mysteries, and true unsolved cases are all things to expect when you tune in to our show. I'm Jaden McKell, and I'm the host of Straight Up Enigmas. Our bite-sized, bi-weekly episodes focus on the world's strangest mysteries. Sacred and sonic geometry, the murder of Karen Silkwood, Turkmenistan's door to hell, the curse of the omen, and much more. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts. Okie doke, so we are back, and with today's topic, we'll just get right into it because I'm sure you're waiting and my rambling's not helping. But with today, we are talking about some good old American folklore, and that is with none other than the hide behind, which, if you are not aware, is going to be interesting, but at the same time, will probably freak you out if you get sort of paranoid with weird stuff, and uh, it's one of those creatures that sort of does that, if you think about it in like a hard way. Uh, but the tale of this creature very much sprung up around the lumber communities within North America, more particularly that of lumberjacks. Now, during this period of time, this being the 19th century, lumberjacks had a lot of things that they really had to worry about. It's a dangerous profession, especially back then, so the uh, fear of you know physical injuries due to the job, uh, coming in contact with wild animals such as bears or mountain lions, or just simply you know falling out of a tree, that's something you had to worry about. And on top of all that, they also worried about the hide behind. Now, according to the lore, and most of the lore does come from this sort of subset community being lumberjacks and uh, trackers and people who are out in the wilderness. According to the lore, the hide behind gets its name from how it stalks its prey, being that it hides behind it. This creature would hide behind trees in the forest and stalk its prey as it conceals itself among the surrounding environment. Pretty much, if there's something there, it can hide behind it, essentially. Uh, there's pretty much nothing that it can't really sliver and sort of morph behind being trees, rocks, fallen logs, pretty much anything. Now, whenever anyone would turn around, it would creep a bit closer. So if you're facing away from it, it will inch a bit closer to you than it was before. Uh, however, if you were to turn around to try to spot it, it will quickly hide behind the nearest object before you are able to catch a glimpse. When it comes to finally being close to the victim, it will instantly gouge out the stomach and intestines and pretty much just rip you to shreds. It is also said that it will eat the meat raw or, in some cases, take the kill back to its den or hideout. This uh, probably um, is not the best way to go. However, if the kill with the hide behind is unsuccessful, uh, this being like an instantaneous kill in some regards, uh, the legend goes that apparently the 
uh, sort of ordeal itself is so intense and so overwhelming that most often than not, the victim will just simply die of fright just right then and there. So even if you happen to survive the attack, uh, you're pretty much going to die regardless, which stinks, but it's apparently what happens. Now, the hide behinds physical description is sort of hard to nail down. I know I mentioned that people aren't able to really catch a glimpse of that, and that is mainly the case. However, it is somewhat rare that people do spot a small little glimpse of this horrid creature. Now, the description of it varies a bit, and this ranges anywhere from a wraith-like, you know, humanoid being, uh, to anything from a canine to a large furry creature. It sort of shifts around, and uh, the body of this creature, however, pretty unanimously is de uh, determined to be that of a very slender frame. Regardless of how it's sort of shaped, people do agree that it is very lanky and it has uh, longer limbs. Some cases have it having short uh, shins, essentially, is the, the location of the body, and then the rest of it will be very, very long. And pretty much that's unanimous. Uh, some cases also have it having very, very sharp claws that are able to pretty much instantly rip someone apart. And due to the fact that the description sort of changes around so much that there isn't really any set, uh, I guess, like core myth that people draw from, on top of the fact that it is able to, you know, hide behind anything, sort of meld into the shape of any tree or rock or any object that surrounds it, even people if it wants to hide behind that, it comes to the conclusion to some people like they sort of theorize that perhaps this creature has sort of an underlining sense of shape-shifting to it or perhaps that its body is just sort of malleable uh some people also theorize that it just simply is able to dysmorph itself in some way whether it's like become intangible or just simply slip in and out of stuff people theorize a lot but I think the overall theory, if you were to stem from some form of, like, you know, uh, supernatural power that it might have, most people sort of lean towards the idea that it can sort of morph its body to some degree in order to help it hide better and be a better predator, essentially. Now, the hide behind is often credited as well for making the odd and spooky noises that can commonly be heard in your campsites late at night. The creature is responsible, or I should say it is a representative of the underlying anxiety that comes with being in a more natural and in some cases unfamiliar setting, such as the woods or the forest or wherever you happen to be. And this sensation essentially is that level of fear or peril with the unknown, not really knowing what's out there. And people in these areas and within these communities at the time very much associated that feeling with the hide behind. Because you don't know what it is. You don't know where it is and you don't know when it might actually pop up. So you would think, with this being such an elusive creature uh, and be having such extremely uh, powerful predatory skills... How would one actually avoid coming in contact with this? Because if it's so great at doing its job, how are you able to fend yourself from something that you can't see and can't possibly defend yourself from? Simply uh, put, uh, the answer is getting drunk. 
that like I'm I'm dead serious here. So according to pretty much most of the accounts, this particular creature hates the smell of alcohol. I'm not kidding in any in any way, shape, or form. Uh, pretty much a lot of these legends tell you, hey, if you happen to get yourself really really drunk, uh, this creature will not attack because it hates the smell so much that this creature will not prefer to eat you because it doesn't want to come in contact with that alcohol which is now in your body. This being established, the lumberjack community would often drink as a way to protect themselves when they think that one of these creatures is hunting in the surrounding area. Now, that being said, as you could probably expect, a lot of people saw this as, or I should say, saw this solution quote-unquote as an excuse to get drunk essentially so people would just get drunk non-stop and then be like oh you you know I'm, I'm hiding myself from the hide behind I'm keeping myself safe and uh I don't know why this is part of the legend it just is for some weird reason there's no real explanation it just says that it doesn't like the smell um and more particularly, it doesn't like the smell of beer, uh, but alcohol overall, but it doesn't like beer more. It's it's strange. In some accounts, too, uh, some say that the hide behind is also scared of fire. To what degree, it doesn't really specify. However, it does note that, you know, you should probably keep a bonfire lit, but this could also sort of just draw into the core concept of not feeling safe in the woods like that sort of underlying fear and the idea of having a fire which helps you see better probably eases that tension hence why it you know keeps the hide behind away i I, i'm drawing at straws here but that's sort of what i can glean from that sort of account again though that's a very vague interpretation and it's not really mentioned in all the accounts just a handful that i happen to come across now let's move on to let's essentially what the origins and some of the reports are of this creature. Because again, it's there's not that many, and it's in a very niche community, that being the lumberjack community, which isn't as prevalent nowadays. Um, it's still there, but back during the early 19th century into the early 20th century, you know, it was a lot bigger. And um, for the most part, I should say that. This is very much a North American story for the most part. I think I mentioned that earlier. More particularly, uh, the northern United States. There are some accounts of it stretching, uh, I should say the story itself, stretching into southern Canada. However, it is very much something that originated within the general border town type states within the United States. Uh, Think like Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan area, that sort of stuff. But the stories can be stretched pretty much across the northern border. And again, this takes place during the 19th century where a lot of those locations are very much forested overall. So being a lumberjack in this region, again, we mentioned earlier, is very taxing. It's not the easiest job, and there are a lot of dangers when it comes to handling this sort of environment and this sort of workload. One theory is that the hide behind is simply a story that was created to keep the men within this community very vigilant when it comes to bears and other wild animals such as wolves or uh, mountain lions in the region. However, that 
probably didn't stay too long as they got used to that particular, you know, area and how to handle these creatures. Uh, other reports also have it saying that the that general idea is a bit broader and which it isn't just animal specific, but it is sort of a wider reminder for lumberjacks to stay vigilant at all times in order to avoid being vulnerable out in the woods and also to keep their bearings overall to sort of, you know, be a be a bit more on edge is essentially the, the core concept. However, it might also be a way to deal with the mysterious disappearances and deaths that fellow lumberjacks were having at that time. Again, this was a very dangerous profession, but in some cases, people would go missing, and in other cases, people might just wind up dead out in the middle of the woods. Now, the book uh, by Carol Rose, titled Giants, Monsters, and Dragons, the Encyclopedia of Folklore, Legends, and Myths, describes the creature as a predatory cannibal uh, beast that lurks out in the loggers' camps until one of them is alone long enough for it to grab it and carry it away to be consumed. And, you know, again, perhaps this is a way for the men within these camps and these communities to deal with the idea that, you know, accidental deaths, uh, people going lost, and, you know, their friends and co-workers being attacked by animals... It might be just be a coping mechanism. That being said, however, this is a weird, interesting, I guess, junction with another bizarre thing that happens. And it's actually something that we talked about a bit at work in the last several days. Uh, my boss mentioned it. And uh, this actually got me thinking of this creature uh, because it has a lot of similarities with a lot of these accounts. And then, you know, noticing that it might actually have some connection with missing cases I got my gears turning because if anyone is unfamiliar with the phenomenon known as the missing 411, which essentially is something that relates to mysterious disappearances of individuals out in the woods with really no explanation to them, it's sort of a phenomenon that's been more or less in the spotlight in recent like months and years. And it might be something that we discuss in the future, however, it is a much deeper topic and not something that I can just casually mention during another episode because it deserves way more attention than just this passing thing. But the idea that people are going missing without a trace and the fact that the hide behind is something that is so silent and so skillful in being able to just snatch someone and... In some cases, they describe it as waiting and hiding and picking people out who are more often than not the the weaker link in the group or happen to stray a bit away from everyone else. That relates to a lot, or if not all, of the missing 411 cases in which people who are not near the main group, people who have some sort of weakness or, uh, you know, something that causes them to not be at their A-game in, in some way. It's essentially the idea of a predatory creature targeting the weakest uh, creature within the herd, essentially. Think of how, like, lions or uh, hyenas and wild dogs, like, that sort of stuff targets cre- uh, their kills, and that really much relates to the missing 411 and how the hide-behind functions, essentially. Um... I'm not saying these are pack creatures, but uh, they they have very similar tactics that just happen to align with how 
people are going missing and then there's no real evidence of where they're found. I, it's interesting. I don't know how much I will relate this. Uh, I just thought it'd be something to mention. And if we do go into the missing 411 phenomena, I will very much relate this back to the hide behind if I can find any sort of evidence or you know, possible notion to uh, link them together. And you know, people sometimes associate that with Bigfoot and other large creatures in the woods that people claim to see. And I would probably say the hide behind's pretty much like a pseudo Bigfoot type thing. They're always described as being bigger or lengthy um, but the, and very hairy in some cases. But I don't know that full relation but it's something to keep in mind I, and I, I just wanted to uh, mention that for you guys now into the reports so the first written report of the high behind appears to be from the year 1939 written by henry h tyron uh titled the fearsome creatures uh which this seems to support the idea that the creature has a rather aggressive behavior to it the report also notes that the creature apparently can last seven years without consuming any sort of food, which is very weird and sort of makes it more of, I guess, like a spectral thing. I don't know. However, it does note that it prefers not to. I think most things would. And it oftentimes is out hunting for new prey. The creature also seems to pop up in the early 20th century in newspapers and magazines in which many people report hearing the creature out in the woods making again strange calls and strange sounds that they don't really know how to describe. And in some rare instances uh, these reports do have an individual spotting a very small glimpse of the hide behind that is lurking about in sort of the wooded areas or towards the edge of town. In more recent years, however, and there are not that many of these, these are just two brief ones that I was able to find, uh, in more recent years, the Grand Haven Tribune from Michigan recounted two eyewitness accounts from the year 2000 and 2007, with both of these reports matching the you know stories that were told centuries past in uh, the more recent accounts, or not, not centuries past, um, but... You, you know what I mean. When it, when it comes to these stories, uh, they, they match very, very close. In both of these more recent cases, however, the eyewitness does claim that the creature was stalking them to some degree when they had their encounter. So I guess they successfully avoided being killed. But in both cases, each person was able to catch a very small glimpse of the creature. And they reported that the creature had wild black fur and very, very menacing and dark red eyes. Aside from that, they aren't able to really pinpoint anything, and I'm sure they're just happy that they were not caught up with the creature in its kill. But it's interesting that they're like, yeah, it was stalking me, but I got away somehow. I don't know. And again, that's pretty much for recent stuff. There aren't too many new reports when it comes to the high behind. Obviously, it's sort of just bled into being a local legend of sorts, um, but it has also developed into pop culture. And I want to talk about a few of the cases in which the hide behind pops up within recent uh, media and literature. And, you know, again, it remains one of those lesser-known mythical creatures, despite still popping up here and there. Uh, I just find it interesting that it's, it has that weird duality to it. 
So the Hide Behind is featured in the 2006 horror novel of the same name by Carl H. Snellings, in which the uh, a group of rafters in the middle fork of the Salmon River in Idaho, the setting for the book, is being stalked by one of these creatures. The creature appears in the Paco's Bill Catch for the Hide Behind, which in, or I should say, in which the creature is captured and donated to a zoo by the titular Paco Bill, which is a cowboy in the book. The Hide Behind is also mentioned, or I should say, several Hide Behinds are also mentioned in uh, Diane Dunn's Young Wizard series. And in the series, they are described as being mostly small creatures, sort of an opposite of how they are in real life, with the fear of their, you know, stalking power uh, sort of being a defense mechanism. So it's it's very much flipping the script as to what they are. They're not predatory, and they're not these, you know, these long, lanky, looming figures that stalk you in the woods. Um it's very odd that they switched it. Uh, moving into probably a more prevalently known one, uh, in 2016, uh, they officially popped up in the Harry Potter series, being on the news site Pottermore, uh, written by J.K. Rowling, obviously, in which the American equivalent to Hogwarts features a high behind. In the series, the creature is described as a nocturnal, forest-dwelling specter who preys on humanoid creatures. They were also briefly featured in the revised edition of the Fantastic Beasts series. The Hide Behind also appears in the Gravity Falls short known as Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained, the True, uh, the Hide Behind. And in the show, the creature is shown as being a very slender, human-like figure, almost like skeleton-esque. And very tall. Uh, aside from stalking hikers, however, it is described as being otherwise mundane and it doesn't really have the predatory aspects in the real legend. That's probably because it's a Disney cartoon. The Hide Behind finally is featured in the 2018 short horror film titled simply The Hide Behind, directed by Parker Finn. Now, that's pretty much it for the hide behind. Uh, there's not a whole lot more when it comes to this story because, again, it is a very sort of underappreciated or at the very least not well-known cryptid or mythical creature or whatever type folklore or descriptor you want to give it. But overall, I thought it was a rather interesting creature and obviously the recent discussions of the missing 401 cases probably got me thinking about it a lot more than I probably would have on an average day. But regardless, looking into it was rather fun. I did not realize that there were alternative descriptions of it. I didn't realize that there were a lot of cases describing it as having like hairy limbs and not really being able to see it that well because of the hair and then letting it blend into the environment. I knew the general concept of it, but it was interesting to learn a bit more of the details on how the story itself sort of developed and where it came from. I thought that there would probably be some connections to native legend. However, I was not able to find any for the most part. I could not find anything. Uh, it's very weird to think that something developed from a very, very niche community of, you know, just people working in the woods. Obviously, that makes sense to some degree if you just kind of want to, you know, ease your mind when you're out there working. 
but I just found it interesting that this only dates back to the you know 19th century like that's as far back as it goes um I thought it would go back a lot further because it sounds like something that you know it has native origin or has something that you know the colonials maybe saw or heard stories of and has been passed on and it, it seems like it's something that's only here and has only been around for a very brief period of time so I'm interested to see if anything develops with it I highly doubt that it will because again it's very niche and uh, I do find it interesting. I, I I like looking into these more obscure stories. Um, I not a whole lot of other topic. Uh, I, I should say not a whole lot of other podcasts on these topics, uh, or even YouTube channels and and places that cover this sort of stuff, uh, like blogs and articles and, and books. In some cases, they don't talk about a lot of these more obscure creatures and stories and folklore they might mention it like a few of the books that i I sourced from here they mention the creature but they only give like a few paragraphs for it and then completely just never talk about it again so doing research was a bit hard um but thankfully most of the information was pretty much the same because again it's very not well-known story and I'm looking forward to discussing a bit more of these. I have a lot more topics that are just as obscure and just as not covered that I am very excited to talk about because it's interesting and it gives some light to these sort of weird, even for paranormal standard, weird stories that no one really knows about. And I, I, I kind of like having that sort of energy when it comes to this podcast and sort of having something that flows and is unique and is different and weird even if it isn't well done because obviously this quality is poor (laughs) when it comes to the audio and my editing I need to work on that a lot but it's fun I I I have a lot of fun doing this and I hopefully can do it for a lot longer Um, I'm looking to put a bit more energy into it as my schedule sort of irons out a bit more and I look forward to it. I, I, I am very much excited to see where this goes. We're slowly approaching two years, which is very weird to think about because I only have 40 episodes up, even though I probably should have closer to 100 <laughs> because I'm lazy and I can't organize my time very well when it comes to hobbies. But I, I look forward to seeing how this sort of brand, this sort of weird culmination of a hobby leads into the future and uh, I, I thank you guys for listening to this and my ramblings because it, it's something I enjoy doing. And I hope that we can develop this into something a bit more structured and a bit more consistent because it's fun. And I like giving these stories to you guys and I enjoy hearing feedback when it comes through. But I will be wrapping this up because I'm rambling and that is a good point to finish this episode because it always is. I hope you guys did enjoy this. If you have any topics, suggestions, or wish to give some feedback on this sort of stuff, leaving a review is great. But you can also check me out on Twitter and Instagram. Handle is just Realm of Unknown. I love having weird discussions with you guys. I post weird shit every now and then. Uh, I left work on Friday and, and briefly mentioned something about the Annabelle doll because everyone was freaking out on Twitter about it moving or something. And I was like, Jesus Christ, guys, calm down. So yeah, if, you, if you're if you into that sort of stuff, hit me up over there. Uh, I look forward to hearing anything you guys have to say. Until then, go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and remember to stay spooky and I'll see you next time. Or I should say next week because we'll, I don't know when this is going to pop up. <laughs> but until then, guys, see you later. Thank you.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.